Hi, I'm Lauren McLean, and welcome to Mentoring Nature Connections. I work as a mentoring support teacher for the Coquitlam District in the area of mathematics and outdoor learning. I'd like to start by taking a moment to acknowledge the traditional territories we each find ourselves on today. For me, I'm currently living, learning, and playing on the land of the Coquitlam First Nations, which lies within the shared territories of the Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Musqueam, Kekite, Squamish, and Stolo Nations. Thank you so much for joining us today. And because today's topic is about collaboration, I want to ask you a favor. Let's all take a photo of the view that we have right now and upload it to social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and tag it with the hashtag MentoringNatureConnections. And when you tag it, please let us know where you're coming from, because we all know that context and place has a big impact on our perspective. I'd also like to ask you to please take a moment to review us on Apple Review. With your feedback, I will be able to better align the topics to your questions and passions. Continuous Outdoor Learner recently wrote, I really enjoyed listening and learning about the outdoors. It's made me more aware of how important it is to include outdoor activities in education to keep us well-rounded. So thank you, Continuous Outdoor Learner. I appreciate your insight about the positive impact that outdoor learning has for all of us. Today through Zoom, April Pickerinen is joining us to talk about the opportunities that collaborative teaching can open up for us when we take our learners outdoors. April is a vice principal at Grower Elementary in Richmond, BC. She has a master's degree in self-regulated learning from the University of British Columbia. And in her spare time, she likes to travel, pre-COVID of course, and you can often find her exploring local beaches and forests with her young children on the weekends. Hi April, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's so good to connect again. It's, it feels like it's been so long. I know. And just to provide a little more background information for everyone listening, April and I used to teach in a collaborative setting. April had a kindergarten classroom and I had a K-1 classroom right beside her. So we had the doors that we opened up between the two spaces so that we could eliminate some of the physical barriers. So all our learners entered one classroom door. Our carpet space was in one room. Our art center was in the other. Everything was very spaced out lots of cozy nooks for students to investigate their own passions. And we had this collaborative teaching space for two years before I sadly moved to a new city and switched districts to help lessen how much time I was spending commuting in a car. Over those two years, we engaged in a lot of outdoor learning adventures. We even did an entire week without walls at the end of June when our learners had built up the stamina and routines and the weather was just perfect. So April, what am I missing here? How did we get started? What was our inspiration? Well, I think it started when I was teaching grade one and you were teaching a kindergarten grade one class. And at the end of the year, we had heard about um, Alana and Kelly who were teaching in Ladner at the time at Annieville Elementary. And they were doing a collaborative um, kindergarten classroom. And we were just curious about what that could look like and what that was really all about. So we asked our principal at the time, um, Catherine Ludwig, who fully supported us in our, in our journey, in our curiosity. And we, I think we got one release day where we went and observed Kelly and Alana in action in their classroom. And we got to talk to them about how their journey started. So I think that was what inspired us. 
Yes, and as you said, what made our journey easier at the beginning was when we decided to try this. We had the spring to plan and to talk to Kelly and Alana and with Catherine, and we had the time and space to question and dissect ideas about reimagining our learning space. We also got to discuss and front load each other about the challenges of what this could bring. I think thinking back to that, even though we had known each other for a couple of years before that, um, I think it was challenging to find our way in our new role as collaborative teaching partners. Um, It took time for us to really get to know each other as teaching partners and as, you know, collaborative teachers and understand who we are professionally, looking at our strengths and our stretches and even just some of our passions beyond what we know from working together day to day. I think another challenge for us was figuring out what collaborative teaching really meant. I think when we first started, we did a lot of co-planning and co-teaching, which was really important. And we had, I remember our first, even the first like maybe two weeks of planning and we had roles almost like we had, you know, we would have like Lauren do this, April do this. And it felt a little bit limiting in that sometimes we would notice, oh, certain students need certain things, but in our plan, in our day plan, that was not my role in this teaching, in this activity. So once we figured out that we can let go of what those are, I think our teaching became way more seamless and we were able to kind of go back and forth between um, either the kind of this, um, not supportive role, but in more of like a, a leading role and a, and a supporting role or what, how else would you describe that? Yeah, I know what you're trying to say, the head role and supporting role, but that implies that there is a hierarchy, which there wasn't. But it was really important for us to divide our jobs this way, for us to set up routines so that we didn't miss anything. And even the teaching piece, um, at the beginning we were, I think it was more, you know, Lauren reads math story, April sets up stations while Lauren reads. And it got to a point where, you know, when we do our planning, we both know how the flow of that lesson was going to go. So we could both jump in at, at any point and when we heard students sharing certain ideas, it almost became um, that community of learning. And we were a part of that community as much as the students were. And we were part of their questions and they were, um, the questions that they asked guided our planning in the moment. Right. And as time progressed, it became a truly collaborative experience. So What do you think were the contributing factors of supporting our journey? I think over time, we realized that we are so much better together and that every day we were learning from one another. And um, that idea of interdependence, I think thinking back, I don't think I realized what it was then, but thinking back, we really depended on each other, on, you know, some of your strengths in that nature outdoor learning piece and some of my passions in self-regulated learning and how those passions truly came together in a way that was natural and it took time and it took it took 
practice and um, trial and errors and finding out sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and figuring out who we are in terms of our partnership um, beyond being teaching partners. Um, you know, I think we became thinking partners and we had that trust so that we could nudge each other in our thinking and sometimes having some hard conversations about our beliefs about teaching or our beliefs about certain things. Um, and then realizing that we could come together from different perspectives so that we could find a shared understanding and, and move forward with a shared intention. It did take time. And I think people see us as being very similar, April. Um, high energy, we work hard, but we also have different strengths. This is so important when we are observing students, seeing learners in a different light, different perspective, seeing the student as a whole. Can you speak a little to that? Yeah, so thinking about the dynamics between students and teachers, I think um, teaching in a collaborative way made it uh, seem like there's lots of fun from both us and, and students. Um, I think over time, I think about our relationship with students and how they always have two adults that they can go to every day. And that created an opportunity to build deeper relationships with each student and also different relationships because how I interact with a with a student is different than how you would interact with them. And they would get two different types of interactions, but both in a very caring and supportive way. And, um, and like you said, Lauren, like helping to see, helping them see themselves as who they are um, through different perspectives. I think it also allowed us to have flexible groupings um, because there's two of us in the classrooms at all times that, when we notice that a certain group of students need a little bit of extra time in story workshop, we were able to provide that extra time for them while the rest of the group um, moved to the next part of our activity. Or um, if we notice that, you know, maybe a few students needed some extra time outdoors, we were able to give that to them and still support the rest of the class. And we also, we were able to model our collaboration in real time. So as we're teaching and, and, you know, we realize, oh, I lost my train of thought. You would jump in with an idea and we would have a real life conversation about, hmm, like this plan isn't really working. Let's try this. And we modeled problem solving in real life and in context for the students. And I think that was really supportive of you know, how do we solve problems with one another? Problem solving is such an important skill for us to model for our students. Thinking out loud so that they can follow our train of thought and learning out in nature provides so many problem solving opportunities. So let's chat a little bit about what our collaborative teaching looked like outdoors. I think you were truly my inspiration for diving in to outdoor learning, watching you do that for the two years prior to our collaborative teaching experience and, and hearing your, your stories about Wilderness Wednesday and your nature walks made me excited. And I think having you there um, when we did our, when we started our collaborative teaching journey made it less scary to start an outdoor learning um, practice 
and having someone there that we can, that I can talk with and that I can bounce ideas off of in a co-planning way and also in a collaborative way made it um, more real and made it more um, accessible and manageable as a teacher in terms of thinking about how I would shift my own pedagogy. And I think I remember when we first started, um, we were committed to daily nature walks and our wilderness Wednesdays. And those were, um, you know, those were the things that we said, okay, yep, rain or shine, we can do it. There's two of us, no problem. Um, and I think that's what it's, it started and um, focusing on during nature walks, like focusing on making observations and wonders for the better part of the year, um, helped to ground the purpose behind some of these routines that we have. Well, and I was constantly picking your brain about self-regulated learning outdoors, how to temper our energy, how do we harness our energy into something positive. Now, April, can I ask you what your most memorable experience was? I guess remember that time when we were doing Wilderness Wednesday and, and we had some teachers coming from Burnaby to do an observation on what that could look like and we were so excited to to have visitors and we had planned this great afternoon outdoors and you know we had taken the kids outside we went on a little walk we went to visit our dogwood tree at the front of the school and we see a field of snow geese just slowly waddling and walking over by the playground and we were looking at them marveling at how beautiful those snow geese were and all of a sudden we heard the flapping noises of their wings and we were just mesmerized by all of the snow geese taking off and with their beautiful wings. And then all of a sudden it was like flash, boom, so loud that power even went out at our school. And what had happened was the snow geese, I guess they had, their wings had touched as they flew past the power lines and that set some of them off. And, and even though at that moment we were like, Oh gosh, like, what do we do? We have these students here. We have visitors, we have snow geese everywhere. And you know, some that are, that have fallen. And so we, I think we went back inside and we reassured everybody in the school that don't worry, the power will come back on. And, and we had that a really real, in the moment conversations about life and death, about um, humans impact on the natural world. And I feel like even though thinking back, it's kind of a, an interesting thing that happened. It turned out to be a real um, teaching opportunity. Yes, and that was an intense and honest talk that we had to have with our learners about the human impact on animals. And sadly, I actually think it was the entire block that lost their power. And, oh dear, dealing with the questions about the smell of burned feathers. Ugh. We had to gather all the parents after school and tell them all about what happened. But interestingly enough, I think that experience was what led us to the inquiry about how the snow geese traveled here. And Richmond Nature Park did that wonderful workshop. So speaking of inquiry... How do you think the collaborative teaching experience affected our ability to plan and engage in investigations with our learners? Yeah, so I think like when um, when we think about like our our learning outdoors, 
because when one of us was able to, you know, be with the students and really engage with them in their conversations and their questions, the other one of us um, could sit back and, and do more of that grand or bigger observation and taking notes of what's happening, noticing, you know, oh, this group of students are, are using their magnifying glass to look at certain things. And then, you know, another group of students doing this and then how having, having two of us there, you know, we were able to take more photos of what's happening um, and looking at the bigger picture, which I think helped in terms of our planning um, and being more responsive to the whole group rather than, you know, maybe just a small group of students who are really curious about certain things that had drawn my attention to. You were able to capture um, what the rest of the students might be interested in and weave all of those parts together. And I can even remember one day where we found a feather from a northern flicker and the students were so mesmerized by the bright orangey pink. So you ran inside to grab a feather field guide and I actually have a photo of you reading that book with a group of about four or five students and you were so engaged with them, researching about feather shapes and colors. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that was the gift of being able to teach in a collaborative way and, you know, noticing different things and being able to have that flexibility in terms of grabbing resources and being responsive and in the moment um, to guiding student learning and guiding their curiosities. And related to that, I just want to speak to how we reimagined using our resource support Hugh Fraser was our resource support teacher, and she helped facilitate our Looking Closely inquiry. She was very enthusiastic about outdoor learning, so it was a really good fit for everyone. She was able to support our ELL learners with vocabulary building and a lot of other literacy skills for all the students. Yeah, and I think we were, like you said, we were so fortunate to have Hugh, and and we were fortunate to to work in a community where. Um, where I think our staff really believed in collaborative teaching in how, in, in whatever form it, you know, not necessarily in the way that we do it all the time, but in a way that we supported each other with our strengths. And, um, and I think we were able to kind of think creatively about how to structure that time, not only to have an extra body, an extra set of hands, but also um, using each other's expertise and each other's strengths and passions um, in a place-based learning setting. Now, April, did you want to share any other favorite outdoor learning memories from our days of collaboratively teaching together? I remember when we um, planned our field trips to Pacific Spirit Park, and I remember we had uh, split up the groups where, you know, one of us did an activity about looking, um, I think we had named it like from ground to the sky or, and then what, and then you did one with another group of students. Um, I think about maybe about using field guides, but what we didn't realize was that there was a tree that had been burnt and there was charcoal that students were playing with. And I just remember when I brought our group over to you to switch groups. I remember seeing all these children with charcoal all over their faces, all over their hands, and just the biggest smile on their face. And I think in that moment, I realized this is why we do what we do. 
is to have to see those connections that they have with nature, to see the joy that they experience, and to be alongside them as they do all of that. That was such a fun field trip. I remember we started that field trip off with a nature walk, introducing the land and expectations of our behaviors to the learners and to the parent volunteers. And then you and I grabbed a bit of Salal. It was really bright green because it was springtime. And we had turned to each other uh, to model that before we can eat something, we need to give three identifying features of the plant so that we know it's safe. And uh, now speaking of teaching something new, I'm wondering if you have a novelty nature note that you'd like to share with us today. Mine is about skunk cabbage and how it generates its own heat, which melts the snow around itself, allowing them to bloom so early. What's yours? I just found out uh, recently that conifers and some other trees, they control the population of squirrels and um, you know seed-eating critters by um, alternating how much or how many cones they produce from that tree so that they can preserve their own population and um, you know, not get all of their cones eaten at the same time or all of their seeds eaten at the same time. Very cool. And April, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. Thanks, Lauren, for having me. It was so great to catch up and to revisit our, our collaborative teaching journey. Absolutely. I love wandering down that memory lane with you. And if you would like to find out more information about April and her many adventures, you can follow her on Twitter at April underscore P-I-K-K. I will also post the more detailed information that we covered today under the podcast notes. And if you have any questions for myself, please visit mentoringnatureconnections.com or review us on Apple Review. Until next time, go get your hands dirty and have fun with Mentoring Nature Connections.